0: Again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Rasinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the f- Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. We're gonna we're gonna jump right in today. We have a returning guest to the program, a friend of the show, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. Uh, now, he's written a new book, and we encourage everybody to go out and buy it. And you know I'm going to say go buy it from the publisher. Let's uh, let's support our Catholic publisher, Sophia Press. The book is Treasures, uh, Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society. Joe, I don't know about you. I think that means we're going into the breach. It's a huge you, conversation. You know, I was going to say, you talk about the, the society being a, we have a throwaway culture, a throwaway society. You talk about marriage in any sort of meaningful way, forget it. You get on the uh, the SPLC's hate list, of course, uh, because you know you become a hater because you believe in, I hate even, you know, Peter, I hate even calling it traditional marriage. I hate that we're forced to do that. It's mm-hmm. simply marriage. Exactly it, it, it is what it is. And that's what we, one of the things I'm, uh, um, um, you know, the reason why we're glad you're on the show, talk about this and why you wrote the book, because we got to stop doing that. I think as Catholics buying into the language that that, you know, our enemies and yes, they are our enemies. They've made us their enemies. All right. um, The enemies of anything good and true and beautiful in this world. I'm tired of using their language. It's simply marriage, okay? Um, and we're going to get into that, too. We promise you, Peter, we're not going to get you in too much trouble, but, you know, we can't guarantee anything. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Peter Kwasnevsky is a Thomistic theologian, liturgical scholar, choral composer, is a graduate of Thomas Aquinas College and the Catholic University of America. He has taught at the International Theological Institute in Austria, the Franciscan University in Steubenville's Austria program, and Wyoming Catholic College, which, which he helped establish in 2006, and where he taught theology, philosophy, music, and art history, and directed the choirs. He, re- uh, he writes regularly for the new liturgical movement, 1 Peter 5, Rorate Celli. Uh, the Latin Mass Magazine and other websites and publications. Peter has published 16 books, eight as author, eight as editor. His work has been translated so far into 18 languages, including Braille. And you can visit his website at www.peterkusznefski.com. Peter, welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, our brother.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me back.
0: Well, it was a pleasure the last time. We had so much fun, a great conversation. I know we're going to do the same today. Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you. We'll get started.
1: Peter, it's our custom to always play to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, our Most Gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin, of virgin's our mother. To you we come, for you we stand sinful and sorrowful. Mother of the Word, incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, something Joe Pasilla did not mention in the bio is Peter's from New Jersey. We're also, all three of us are around the same age, and we also went to Catholic schools in the same region of New Jersey. So in many ways, I feel like I know Peter, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I, I mean that. Like we just like relate. Joe, like seriously, like there's a lot of very common themes and threads in our lives. Um, why do I bring that up? Because we've probably gone to a million weddings in New Jersey. I have Catholic weddings, friends from high school, friends from college, friends in the neighborhood, all types of stuff like that. And one of the vows that we well, there's three vows faithful, fruitful forever. That's part of the vows of every Catholic marriage. Um, But to be honest with you, particularly the fruitful one, and we could talk about all three, but I want to focus on that at first. They're not really adhered to. Let's be honest. I mean, we could question whether they're explained thoroughly before the person is to get married, and they should be because you should know what you sign up for. Uh, But you are taking vows before God. Talk about that, and why should all marriages – focus on those three things because let's first of all be honest most catholic marriages don't Mm -hmm. and then why should all marriages focus on them because they're important your thoughts peter
2: Yes, well, so what? What you're basically what you're touching on is what is the definition of marriage? What are we even talking about? What's its essence, right? What's the nature of marriage? This is something that, as the Church teaches, Pius the the Eleventh, especially um, in his the greatest encyclical ever written on marriage and family, is called Casti Canubii. God is the one who creates marriage as He created human nature. He's the one who defines it. It is not a social construct. It is not a democratic process. It is not some kind of arbitrary um, uh, thing that we make up as we go along, right? It's God who defines it because God made man and, 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 and woman, male and female. He created them in His image and likeness. And he made them for each other. Man and woman are created for each other. So the the reason why humanity exists in two forms, so to speak, my wife sometimes jokes, two species, you know, uh, is is that man and woman are made to be complementary to each other. They have strengths and weaknesses that correspond to each other. Um, and they have needs and desires that correspond to, it, to each other. And most importantly, through the relationship of man and woman God perpetuates the human race, which he loves. He loves it because it's made in his image and because it's capable of happiness forever with him in heaven. So God loves mankind and we should love mankind. And it's a disorder in us. If we have the selfish attitude that we want to collect as much pleasure and as many possessions as possible while we live this short earthly life, and we're not actually bestowing Upon the world, the gift of life and the gift of more life and new life, right? It's very selfish. People people turn in inward; they turn into themselves, um, in a in a in a sort of self love, you could say, um, and that prevents them from being fruitful. It prevents them from being faithful. You know, it, it certainly prevents um, ultimate and total commitment. So, really, what what this is about is marriage is a school of love, of selfless love that's what it's for it 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 helps us to get to that virtue which is equivalent to maturity you know immature people are selfish mature people are unselfish um it's a school for that and the opposite is just egoism fruitless egoism but
0: that but that's what that's what the culture's been preaching for God knows how long now yeah so people exactly. feel like Peter, People, people feel like they're doing the right thing. Oh, I'm going to plan my – I mean, I, I listen, God bless them. They're, they're friends. or people I've met in life. I, I don't want to come across as judgmental, but it does trigger something in my mind when I hear somebody say, yeah, we're, we're going to get married, and we're, we, we've we decided already we're going to have one child. Eh, wrong answer, dude. That's mm-hmm. not the right answer because you're – like you said, Peter, the problem is – and I want your comments on this. The culture is teaching you that to be selfish is a virtue of course. in this case, in its context, okay? Yes. And to be fruitful – You're actually doing the wrong thing. They'll tell you you're depleting the world's resources Mm -hmm. or some other such nonsense uh, to try to convince you not to have a lot of children. Peter Kuzniewski, please, your comments on that.
2: Right. Well, I mean, look, I don't need to tell you or anybody listening to this that we're living in a time of – the most profound error and ignorance everybody has mixed up ideas people don't even people pretend not even to know anymore that a man is a man and a woman is a woman i mean if we've if some people have gone that far into insanity and let's call it what it is because no normal person in any period of history or any any normal person until they're indoctrinated would ever think that way would ever have any confusions about these matters right So we're living in that period. And yes, selfishness has been exalted into a virtue. That is not a new phenomenon. You know, you can go back centuries in the history of philosophy and find the roots of the present errors in people like Nietzsche and Marx and Kant and Descartes. You can go all the way back to ancient times in the Gnostics and the Manichaeans and find that they hated marriage and they hated childbearing as well. And they didn't have ecology or environmentalism in mind, they just thought that material, the material world was evil and that you shouldn't contribute to it by, by, you know, reproducing. So Mm -hmm. there have always been errors about marriage and family. It's not like we're just suddenly seeing this since 1968 or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, this is among the reasons why God in his mercy actually revealed to us, what is the plan for marriage and family and for basically just what, what is it to live a virtuous and happy human life. He had to reveal that to us because we're too stupid and too sinful to figure it out for ourselves. Um, there is a paradox there, right? If we're sinners, we're not uh, inclined to want to listen to God. You know, he says, here's the plan for your life. It's going to be, it's going to cost you something. It's going to be hard work, but it'll be worth it and you'll be happy in the end. That takes a leap of faith, right? And so yeah. I, I don't want to sugarcoat this. The, the Christian teaching on authentic, I would say on the virtuous life and on authentic marriage is a hard saying. It's a difficult teaching, and we make it more difficult <laughs> for ourselves uh, by living badly. If you live badly, you make yourself stupid and hard, hard-hearted, you know. Um, so we we are, Christians are definitely facing an uphill battle, not only to live the truth against the culture, but to try to preach it to a culture that doesn't want to hear it anymore,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Dr. Peter Zniewski is joining us here at the front line with Joe, and Joe, we're discussing his new book, Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society, that's available at Sophia Press. I want to make one comment, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Peter, um, is that I remember, we're, Joe mentioned earlier, we're all of the same age, we're all from New Jersey. Growing up, going to public grammar school, okay, my experience was, with a, Italian-Americans, obviously, pre- primarily Italian-Americans, with large families, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And then when I went to Seton Hall Prep, you know what I discovered? Irish Catholic families. Mm-hmm. with, 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 with and, and I just knew the boys. The girls went to, like, Mount St. Dominic or, or, you know, yes. you know somewhere else. And they were the happiest families that were. They didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of money. Yes. Pa- Papa worked. Mama worked a part-time job, took care of the kids, all right? But the bottom line is, like, with lots of brothers, lots of sisters, these were these were happy people, yes. and we're being we're being spoon fed a lot of nonsense that those people are actually unhappy. That's mm-hmm. what bothers me. That's why I get so animated about this.
2: Yes, if I could just make a quick point about please. that, I would say please. I would say that you know one of the basic errors of our time, and I talk about this in the book, is materialism. Uh, Almost everybody is a materialist, whether whether they assert it outright, the way that some evolutionary scientists would say everything is matter and there's no spirit, there's no soul, there's no God, whatever, which, of course, is a form of nihilism, because if that's true, then nothing means anything and they should kill themselves. Although that wouldn't mean anything either, really. Uh, But but a lot of people are what you could call virtual or practical materialists, right? They might say, I believe in God. I believe in the soul. I believe that I'm going to live forever. They they might say these things, but they don't live as if those truths are really the guiding principles of their life. Um, John Paul II talked about what he called practical atheism right that people say they believe in God but they but but the way they act you could never convict them of believing in God right you know as as in that old saying you know if if a court hauled you in and and charged you with belief in God would they find enough evidence to be able to you know convict you right mm-hmm. um and so a lot of people are practical materialists in that they actually equate the good human life with being comfortable having a couple of cars having a big house, you know having swanky vacations whatever and i mean this is so opposite to the truth that if you if you want to see really happy people you almost have to go outside the modern west to you know africa right and and you see these i mean missionaries talk about this all the time mother teresa talked about this all the time when when these people go to africa they see people full of genuine joy because they find joy in each other in their families in their extended families, in their friends, that's all they have. They're poor, but they have each other. And human persons right. are the greatest treasures of all, right? There's nothing in the world that is worth more than the love of a human being, right? And and and, and so, modern Western people are have things completely inverted, completely upside down.
0: Well, I'll tell you this, I'm gonna hand it over to Joe. That's why Africa is under attack right now, mm-hmm. because they are preserving the family. And marriage and the sanctity of, of life. They're not buying all this. Joe, Joe and I have done a number of clips on that. Whether it's a pastor in South Africa, whether it's the president of Uganda, they're saying, whoa, to the West. Yeah. By the way, Peter, we were all told growing up that colonialism was bad. Now we're being told that colonialism is good as yes. long as it's leftist, Western, Marxist exactly. colonialism. Joe Resinello.
1: I want to talk about the the fruitful aspect of the vows of a Catholic Mm -hmm. marriage for a moment, because you're both touching on it. I want to expand on it a little bit. Now, that's part of what a valid Catholic marriage is all about. Now, sadly, again, most people are not formed. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Sadly, the catechetical formation in America for the last 40 years Mm -hmm. has been extremely poor. Most people, if you gave them a basic Catholic quiz— they would fail. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that to be critical, I'm just acknowledging reality. But a lot of people get married in the Catholic Church. Now, when I got married, the priest was pretty specific. He asked my wife and I questions, specific ones, hmm. and we acknowledged him and we had to sign a book. Um I'll I'll never forget it. It was like the book of life. It'll probably be showed to me when I face God, the same book. Anyway, I digress. But the fruitful aspect means you're open to life. Mm -hmm. Like if I was a priest, Peter, and you came to me and you wanted to get married and you were like, I don't want to have kids yet. My answer, what I would say to you is then you're not ready to get married.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You're not ready to get married. It's part of the deal. Um, With that said, do you think a large majority— of our marriages are not valid and could be annulled because going into the marriage the couples had every intent these are catholics mm-hmm. to contracept okay yeah no we have to be
2: really we have to be really careful though about this because uh pope francis thinks seems to think uh that a lot of marriages are invalid maybe even the majority of them because of basically what you could consider intellectual or psychological immaturity or or errors of the kind that you're talking about. Like somebody who has a contraceptive mentality, <clears throat> I don't want to have children, I'm not interested in having children, or maybe I'll have children, right? That that kind of mentality. Um, however, Pope Francis is wrong on this point. And Catholic theology has been always very clear. There's it, mo- <laughs> Just because somebody has an error in his thinking, it doesn't mean that that error will invalidate the marriage. It has to be a particular kind of error. It has to be an error that's directly and totally opposed to one of the goods of marriage. So what I mean by that is this. If somebody, when he's saying his vows in the church, has in mind, when he says, till death do us part, if he adds to that, I but I mean... If things, if I'm happy and if I want to stay in this relationship, otherwise I'll get a divorce, that would be a grounds for nullity because he's denying the very thing that he's saying. If he were to say that if, if he were to have the intention of never having children in principle, right, um, and doing everything possible to prevent that from happening, that would that could invalidate the marriage. But just to say, I'm going to use contraceptives and maybe I'll have a kid. No, that's still that's enough openness to life that the the sacrament is still valid. It's he's still in error, and the attitude is reprehensible. And sinful, but it doesn't invalidate the marriage. The reason is that that, as I said before, human beings are created for marriage. Men and women are created for marriage. So if they agree to make a common life together, the implied in that is that the common life will include a family. Um, and so you have to really work hard to deny that, uh, you know, and, and to to mm-hmm. intend against that, right?
1: No, Doctor, it's, a valid, it's a valid point. <clears throat> I mean, yep. um, I throw it out there because. Ultimately, I wasn't even thinking of Pope Francis on it. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking of I have eyes. And mm-hmm. if you get married at 26 and you have two kids and you're now 56, unless there was a medical issue, which happens, oh. or or you have one kid or you have no kids, something is going on. I mean, I could use me as an example. I've been and I'm not waving my flag, but I don't contracept. I've had. I have five kids. I've married ten years, and we lost two. That's mm-hmm. what happens when right, you're right, right. sleeping with a woman. Yes, she's going to get pregnant.
2: So I, th- I think my 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 point is simply this: that we have to make a strict distinction between sin and validity or invalidity. Um, there are things that people can intend that are wrong, but it won't invalidate the marriage because there's still the basic right intention to form a community of life with this person and as long as there's some little crack of openness to life that suffices for the for the validity you really have to be completely closed to the possibility of life yeah you know, i'm
1: not a canon lawyer i threw it out no, i know because, i like, just think uh, it's
2: i i brought that up because and no, i'm sorry to bring up francis but but it's 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 we have to be careful also about the the so-called catholic divorce mentality that is taking annulments as almost like catholic divorce um and saying well you know most modern people are just not mature enough to to validly marry and so oh yeah we can grant an annulment here and an annulment there and so forth and then you start reading about these situations where people have been married for decades and they have a big family and then they get an annulment and you're thinking what is going on there's something there's something really messed up wrong there in in that realm so i think it's it's you know it's always like the scylla and charybdis right you want to steer the ship and not get sucked into one extreme or another about you know but anyway.
1: Right, I, what I would just def- say is I think, to be truthful with you, if a priest is a little bit more probing, that's that's what I think. I mean it yes. comes down to – I look at things – I because I work in a corporate environment, and there's a big – there's a phrase in corporate America, CYA. Like my thing is this. If you want a sin that's on you, I can't control you, but you're not bringing me into it. That's kind of how I look at things a lot in life. Like, I can't control you. You're an adult, but you're not bringing me into it. And if I'm a priest and I'm going to marry you, okay, now I have skin in the game. So what I'm going to do is make it very clear to you what this means and what you're responsible for in this particular place, which is God's church. Yes, yes. Now, if you're going to lie to me stone cold, okay, okay. I, I, I can't – I'm not going to say to call you a liar, but I did my part. Right. And right. that's kind of how I look at a lot of things in life. I can't control Peter. I can't control Joe Pasillo, I can tr- control me. But you guys can't suck me into yes. sin. And, I yeah. mean, do you think we could do a better job? That's Oh, yeah. I, yeah, so I was just talking to
2: a priest just a couple of days ago actually about marriage preparation, um, and he made, he made a very similar point, not, not – with exactly the New Jersey bluntness that, but, um, but he, he said, you know, when I prepare a couple for marriage, um, I, I, I really spell out to them. Here are the goods of marriage. It's, it's fidelity, sacrament, and offspring. That's the classic trio mentioned by St. Augustine, not exactly the same as the trio you mentioned, but very similar. Um, you know, and, and these are the goods that you're assenting to, you're assenting to them for life. There's no possibility of dissolving this if you if you enter into it with these intentions and and I, you're going to sign that you understand these things and that you assent to them. and and then what the priest said to me is he said they will never be able to get an annulment, right? after they've if, well, that's if, they, right. if, they, if they still if they still get married after after what I've explained to them, there you know, no court will ever say they didn't know what they were getting into, you know. um and and I just want to make this point because sometimes critics are critics on the outside in the outside world and this actually goes back to the enlightenment period of centuries right they they accuse catholics of cruelty by holding people to a lifelong vow okay i'm sure you've heard this kind of mm-hmm. talk before what is the error in that way of thinking the error is this vows are actually a sign of the dignity and the spirituality of human beings it's the sign of our godliness that we can promise out of love and with trust in God's grace and with trust in another person, we can promise ourselves permanently to somebody that is so noble and beautiful and only human beings can do it. Right. It's a, it's a, it's part of our dignity as rational animals that we can make lifelong promises, just like it's part of of our dignity that we can die for our country or for our church or for Christ. You know, it's part of our dignity that we can um, decide to suffer for the truth. Right. I mean, it, these are not this is not cruelty. This is actually just recognizing uh, what love means, what real love means because it's either love is forever or it's just or it's or it's just a label for your lust and your cupidity you your cupidity and your concupiscence, right? That's those are the options. Either your love is real and it's for the person and you want the good of that person for the rest of his or her life, or you're just using this person. You know, I mean, let's be let's be frank about this, right? Because those are the only two options. There's no third yeah. option. Um,
0: yeah. No, 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 no. Definitely see that. Doctor Peter Kwasniewski is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, treasuring the goods of marriage in a throwaway society that's available at Sophia Press. We have a couple minutes before the break. Peter, let me let me just comment on that. I, I remember. I'm just going to give you. I'll give you a little of my own personal experience. Is that coming back to the church or not that I left the church, but I certainly wasn't practicing for a good part of my adult life. But I realized that the reason that I didn't want to go back to the Catholic church or start practicing again was because the church was going to restrict my behavior. And I think that's a a universal impulse. A lot of people feel like the church just, you know, they have the, I have these rules and you can't break these rules or else you're going to hell. It was like that kind of mentality. But here's what I realized. And I want your comments on this. All right. What I didn't want was to be challenged. All right, mm-hmm. and then when I got married, and when we, as I was, you know, starting to practice the faith again, and I got married, um, and then and then I realized we were, my wife and I were both challenged early on uh, because of wh- the way we were living, and and uh, you know, by good priests and religious, um, and that challenge helped us. Okay, and uh, and we grew from there, and it continues on and on. So I'm not afraid of being challenged because good, loving clergy and religious uh, challenged us. We seem to live in a time and I'm not bashing everybody. All right. But the thing is this, the church seems to be, uh, the church seems to be afraid to challenge people. All right. Particularly when it comes to marriage and you want to know something, if I could do it, my wife could do it. (laughs) Anybody could do it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'd love uh, maybe quick comments on that couple minutes before the break.
2: Sure. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, The way for people, the way that people grow into who they're supposed to be is through challenge, through facing challenges and through, through conquering challenges and you know the whole the whole literature of of self help and 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 psychiatry that you can find on Amazon is full of this message everybody says it right uh, you know why is jordan peterson popular because he tells men to get up and make their beds and stop feeling sorry for themselves and stop making excuses for themselves. And, you know, just man up, like, just, you know, stop blaming people for your problems, fix them, you know? Um, now, I mean, of course, you know, you can, the problem is that we can only fix so much without God's help. And this is what the church says. You need grace. You need God's help Agreed. to put your life in order, but it's still everybody recognizes even in the secular world that, you know, we shouldn't, be absorbed in self-pity and licking our wounds, but that we need challenges and we need need to confront them and we need to overcome them, you know, with perseverance and with diligence. Um, And, you know, the, the church, the rules of the church in so many ways are the same as the rules for living that have been discovered by all the great sages and philosophers throughout human history, right? You can find things in Confucius, you can find things in the Stoics, like Seneca, you know, you can find things in, in all over human civilizations that tell people, don't be selfish, look out for your neighbor, take care of your spouse and children, you know, don't be absorbed in property. Like, I mean, the Ten Commandments, right, is just a distillation of human wisdom and human common sense of that we've accumulated for thousands of years in social living, right? For modern people to deny these things is just a sign of Infantilism and and narcissism, right? Um, and um you know, it's it's just true. This is the way it is.
0: I, I think I think if you I love the way you put that when you talk about the rules, Peter, and we're gonna just take a quick break, okay? Um, but as far, like I Joe and I say on the show all the time, I love uh Bishop Barron's analogy with baseball. I really do. Like mm-hmm. he, he was talking about there is beauty in operating within the rules, within the boundaries. That's how we flourish. Uh, the rules are central to them, they're necessary. Because yes. because if you don't have that, you have chaos. And he used the analogy of baseball. If you got a bunch of stud baseball players in a field throwing a ball around with a couple of bats or whatever, you're going to be watching that for about thirty seconds and go, "Wow, this is pretty boring because it's chaos." As yes. yes. soon as you put down a foul line on both sides, a pitcher's mound, a, a home plate, an outfield fence, and you got umpires and they're, they're you know they're enforcing the rules, now you can flourish. Yes. Within that context, because before there's nothing beautiful about it, now there is. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's central that uh, I think I think all three of us were kind of getting at, particularly as it pertains to marriage, and that's what we're talking about today. Dr. Peter Krzyzewski's new book, Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society, that's available at Sophia Press. I just wanted to mention that, Peter. We're going to take a quick break. For everybody out there listening to us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deep in their faith families are strengthened parishes and communities flourish so let people know you're listening to veritas tell your friends to tune in and let's make an impact here for jesus and his church this is steve lee for veritas catholic network welcome back everyone to the front line with joe and joe joe Pasillo and joe racinello and we are way in the breach as usual on the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial 103.9 On your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Today, we're very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program, Dr. Peter Kwasnefsky. We're discussing his new book out from Sophia Press. Please go buy it from the publisher, Sophia Press, Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society. Joe Rasinello.
1: Peter, um, we talked about marriage being noble, but I want you to expand on that. In the book, you mentioned four reasons why it's noble, and four kinds of marriage. Um, I I never thought about marriage having four different types. Please expand on that.
2: Yes, and I and I don't mean by four kinds of marriage, you know, heterosexual, homosexual. <laughs> no, no, this is not what we're talking about. This is a Catholic book. Um, so, no, I mean, the, the four kinds of marriage are just it, – it. this is something that I found really fascinating. I shared it with readers. It's a quotation from Pope Innocent III who lived all the way back in the 12th century. Um, But he writes, by the teaching of sacred scripture, we learn that there are four kinds of marriage. The first is between a man and his lawful wife. The second is between Christ and Holy Church. The third is between God and the just soul. The fourth is between the word and human nature. So referring to the incarnation. In these four kinds of marriage, we discover with admiration and veneration something most dignified. Through the first, it is brought about that two be in one flesh. Through the second, it is brought about that two be in one body. It's Christ in the church. Through the third, it is brought about that two be in one spirit. Through the fourth it is brought about that two be in one person talking about the incarnation so what it, what innocent is pointing to is this wonderful analogy that all of the most important things in reality have a kind of marital or nuptial aspect to them right that is the the unifying of two things into one beautiful whole that's what you see with the the human and divine natures in christ with christ in the church with god and the soul and with man and woman and what and this is the wonderful thing right why did why did god create marriage well you could give a you know a common sense answer well if he wanted there to be people then there had to be a way to reproduce people and and you know this is how it works okay that's true but the more profound reason is god made all of creation to reveal his goodness and to communicate that goodness to us who could receive it and so he needed to create a model or an image of his love for us And therefore he created the love of man and woman. Um, And when that love is holy and when it's beautiful and when it's virtuous, it is an image of the love that God has for the soul and the soul for God, right? It is an image of the love Christ has for his church, his people and vice versa, right? So these different kinds of marriage illuminate one another. Um, And basically what I'm saying is marriage is a key to understanding the whole of reality. And this is true even for consecrated virgins and for celibate priests, right? We can get into that later if if you want to, because I talk about that in the book as well.
0: Well, please keep going then. Just stay on that if you don't mind, Peter.
2: Sure, sure. So, I mean, one one thing that puzzles moderns modern people, including, I would say, Catholics who aren't well catechized, is why does the Catholic Church place a sort of premium on celibacy or virginity, right? How does this make sense? God made male and female for each other, and he says be fruitful and multiply. Why should— why should people in the church say, I renounce marriage, I renounce children for life? How can that possibly be good, right? Um, and I remember I had I, have a, I, have a, I had a good Jewish friend years ago uh, who said she was absolutely perplexed about the Catholic Church's teaching. She said, why would you take your best men and women, your most pious, faithful men and women, and then not have them reproduce, <laughs> right? She, she thought that was the, cra- the crazy idea, you know? Um, but you, so you understand this, I think, better by, by understanding that celibacy and virginity are themselves nuptial mysteries. In other words, uh, the consecrated virgin is embracing, in, in, she's, she's living in her earthly life already the life of heaven to come which is where all of us will be espoused to god in perfection right that's that's the ultimate goal the ultimate goal is not to be married in an earthly sense but to be wedded to god if i could put it that way mm-hmm. and the consecrated virgin is imitating the bride of christ she is the bride of christ and she gives herself to christ completely as his bride so she is living marriage in its fullest and most eternal way, you know, in the sort of heavenly version of marriage, if I can put it that way. Um, And similarly for a priest, the priest stands in the person of Christ. Christ is not Christ is not unmarried he's married to the church right he's not married to a particular woman he 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 is in a sense married to the whole human race as the Catholic Church right and so the priest who's standing in the person of Christ is also a wedded man he's a married man but he's married in the way that Christ is married right um and he you know and that's a sign of the complete gift of himself to his spouse so uh, there's no such thing in the Catholic Church as a non- spousal or a non-nuptial way of life all of us are supposed to live that mystery in some way
0: well aren't we supposed to as catholics look at everything from the point of view of relationships starting with the trinity and obviously marriage is a reflection of that that when you mentioned when when we go to heaven god willing we go to heaven um that we're part of that profound relationship. the problem is we don't think about these things i think in these terms peter mm-hmm. uh nowadays whereas i not not everybody let me be fair many people that's why we're having this conversation because yes. we do think seriously about these things yes. and many people do but that's the way we need not only need to think about god because god is a trinity all right a trinity of persons a relationship of pure love on a on a on a level that we can't even begin to understand and we could be a part of that we could reflect that in this life through exactly. through a through a marriage between a man and a woman, and we get to live and participate in that for all eternity. Mm-hmm. That's the way we have to. That's the way we have to be thinking. Not this is a god of rules, and and Jesus comes to just wag his finger at us and say, do this, do that. No, they're mm-hmm. trying to emphasize. God is trying to emphasize to us that we are meant for relationship. Ultimately, yes. relationship with Him, and this is the way you do it. This is the way you foster and nurture relationship, and you grow in relationship. Mm-hmm. And on this, in this world it's in which our participation in the church and
2: marriage exactly right the, another way of saying what you're saying is selfishness is inimical to relationships to friendships you can't have them the, the only way a friendship can flourish is if each person is willing to um to to make sacrifices for the other to adapt himself to a certain extent to the other in good ways you know to um to to help when help is needed and to deny oneself. I mean, that that's the the greatest friendships have this characteristic, and this is also true of friendships between men and men, women and women, parents and children, right? All different kinds of relationships. And what makes human life rich and worth living are relationships. I mean, I think that's Aristotle says this. Friendship is. He he basically says in the in the Nicomachean Ethics that friendship is the greatest good of life. He's talking on a natural level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's true, and he says nobody would want to live without friends. Who would ever want to live without friends? You know. Well, if we want to have really deep and good, lasting friendships, then we need to give up the selfishness that's inimical to friendship.
0: Absolutely. And I just want to make a quick comment. Um, is that? And we know that instinctively. We know good friendships as opposed to ones that are very superficial. Anybody mm-hmm. could call each other a friend. Oh, like, oh, he's my friend. What are you willing to do for him?
2: My Jesus Facebook says, friend.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus makes it very clear, what well, greater love is this than the man laid down his life for his friends. If you're not willing to to, as the old saying goes, all right, in Jersey, hey, what would you what would you do for your friend? I'll lie down in traffic for my friend. In other <laughs> words, that that's what I'll do. Now and mean it. And mean it. Of course that's what we do when we when we talk about our our wives all right in other words we would lay down our lives for our, for members of our family but that's a true friendship and I was going to say well and and where do we get well Jesus actually told us that one that one we don't have to look too far for yes. we get that yeah. from Jesus Dr. Yeah. Peter Swisznevsky is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe go ahead Peter you were about to comment on that mm-hmm. I think oh okay Joe Racinello.
1: I want to talk about the vocation of marriage, but also I want to expand upon what Peter talked about, about the vocation of consecrated virgins and those who go into the priesthood. There's a sanctification aspect, and this is why I think people outside of the church don't understand what marriage is. We are called to sanctify ourselves, to die to ourselves. And in those three vocations, you die to yourself. And this is the analogy that I want to kind of draw. Christ, who was perfect, who loved in a way that we can never love, died for the godless. This is scriptural. He says it. We will not do that Mm -hmm. because we are who we are. But in marriage— When we love our spouse and our children, we aspire to do that. We still don't do it well. Mm -hmm. We could do it pretty well, but with the grace of God, we could do it very well. And that is why and what marriage is all about. And you said, why did God create marriage? Well, ultimately, we have to populate the earth. That's a given. But we have to die to ourselves. And that's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a father, I'll be honest with you. I have five kids, all under nine. My house is nuts. I don't sleep. Nothing is mine. I have no time. I'm going to use a term, and I bitch. (laughs) I I do. Sorry, I'm going to say it. I do.
0: Joe, and, this is family radio. Joe. I know, but I gotta, I'm just
1: going to be honest I, because and but and I love my kids and my wife. But marriage, when we walk with God in grace, He helps us talk about that because that's why people don't understand marriage. That's why marriage fails because when you have a bad day, and we all do, when we fail, we say it's all for a greater good. God Mm -hmm. is sanctifying me, and I am growing closer to him. Please talk about that because I think it's misunderstood.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, so what you're pointing to really is that we find – we, human beings, find fulfillment in long-term commitment. I mean, and this is true on all kinds of levels. It's true with education. You know, that is, if you really want to be educated, you have to put a lot of time and effort into it over a long period of time. Um, If you want to excel in a particular profession or field, you got to Put yourself into it for a long period of time. You know, um, nothing excellent is achieved without that kind of persevering effort, right? Um, well, with relationships, it's it's also true. Um, it's it's exactly the same kind of thing. The people who most reap the fruits of marriage are the people who also sow generously. When you sow generously, you reap generous fruits, right? And what that means is not just the joy of the children as they get older and you can see them growing and developing. And yes, there are all kinds of challenges. It's very difficult. Teenagers are the worst, you know, uh, but I mean, that is the worst to to deal with, you know, it, eventually they get, but then they get beyond that. And if you, if you have laid a good foundation, you become friends with your adult children. It's just wonderful to see them in their own lives and they turn to you for advice, you know, if all goes well. And, 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 and then as, as everybody gets older together, and then they begin to welcome children you become grandparents and there's such a richness to that life, that multi-generational life of gift, um, and it, and yet, of course, it required at every stage of the way, you had to give yourself away. You know, you had, to, you had to keep doing things for the good of the other. The only way this makes sense, you put your finger on it, is if God exists. If God exists, then this way of life makes perfect sense. And all the sacrifices are worth it because we're doing it for him and for eternal life. And basically, because we want to multiply God's goodness in the world, and, and that we do through love. And through gift, right? You know, I want
1: to say this. But, that's but if, why if, it doesn't work yeah. without God. Exactly. Of course, it doesn't itself. work. I've said this to Joe. I'm going to say it now on the radio. I don't even believe in civil marriage. I don't even believe in it, like because it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Because marriage, what you're talking about, you're in the weeds. Yes. There is so much sacrifice that is, if you're in a real marriage, you're sacrificing. Well, Look, I mean, this is the difference between
2: uh, marriage as a covenant and marriage as a contract. I mean, there's a, there's a true sense in which you can use the term contract, and it is used in canon law. But what I mean is modern, a lot of modern people in the civil and secular context have in mind a, a sort of business contract, basically. It's an arrangement for convenience. You know, we've decided that we want to establish a sort of partnership, like a corporate partnership between, you know— Mr A and Mrs Mrs A right and they're going to work this out according to benefits and and deals and whatever and if it doesn't work then we dissolve this contract right that's the secular way of thinking about marriage so it isn't truly a marriage it's just a business contract you know mm-hmm. and 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 no wonder right. why people who have this thinking then start talking about well why can't there be a homosexual business contract, sure. you know? I mean, if that's your way of thinking, if you take family out of it, you know, procreation as an intrinsic part of marriage, and if you take God out of the picture as giving it sacredness and permanence, uh, lifelong fidelity, then why not? any Anything can marry anything, right? I mean, because it's just a business relationship, right?
0: <laughs> no, no. And, and you're absolutely right. That's the logic of it. Yeah, you can't deny gay marriage if that's the way as a heterosexual you you, you yes. view marriage to begin with. Yes. Um, I I'd like I'd like your comments on this just to just uh, personalize it for a second. I mentioned earlier that I spent a good deal of my adult life not practicing the faith. Um, talk about see we're talking about uh, fruitfulness being fruitful. Talk about the sterility out there. Like the like what the, people say. Well, you're talking about being fruitful. All right. Well, let's talk about the opposite, mm-hmm. sterile relationships, mm-hmm. uh, the hookup culture. Okay, mm-hmm. talk about we talk about friendships. So, leaving aside, let's say uh, 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 a, a a a relationship between a man and a woman. Just talk about friendships. Okay, I was a stockbroker for nine years. If you want to talk about superficiality, where there's not only real relationships with women, there's no real friendships with men, it, and that's and and that's a my my twenty years away from the church is a microcosm of the world. I bought into it. I was the prodigal son. I thought that that's where I was going to find happiness, and now I look back on it and say. It is completely, completely sterile. Mm-hmm. All right, there's no good fruit that comes from that. If you consider money to be good fruit, let's see what happens in when you're when you're on your deathbed if you're going to hug your 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 bank account. Okay? Exactly. All right. Yes. Or, or your bank account's going to be there to comfort you in your pain and suffering. Go ahead, Peter. I love right. your comment.
2: No, I mean this is this is what our Lord Himself talks in that one parable. He talks about the the rich man who built a barn for his produce. And then he his barn wasn't big enough for his produce, So he tore it down and built another one, you know? And and Jesus says, You fool, tonight you're dead, right? And what good will any of this be to you? None. And, and of course, he says even more plainly, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Your soul, right? right. And and you don't even have to give the word soul there a specifically religious connotation. You could just say what good is it to gain the whole world, this materialism that I talked about in the hedonism, mm-hmm. and to lose yourself, to lose your, your your dignity, to lose your worth, to lose your your to, what makes life really worth living at the end of the day, right? which as I said before, is relationships of love. that's what makes it worth living. Um, as far as the hookup culture is concerned, I mean, one of the points I bring out in the book, is, you know, using the insights of John Paul II's Theology of the Body, which is very insightful, although it's sometimes been misapplied and, and abused a bit in, in popular circles. But um, but he he points out that, you know, the human body is not a piece of property that we carry around with us like a suitcase. It is who I am. It's part of me. I am my body. I'm not exclusively my body, but I am my body. That's why if you hit me, if you hit my face, you hit me, the person, right? I You know, if somebody slaps slaps me, I don't say, why did you slap my cheek? I say, why did you hit me, right? Uh, mm. So my body is me, it's myself. Um, and so what we do with our body is what we do with ourself. And so when, when people are promiscuously sexually a- active, as so many modern people are, what they're doing is they are fragmenting themselves. They are tearing themselves apart psycho- psychologically. They're giving bits of themselves away here and there and everywhere, and they're making a mess, a chaos out of themselves. It's like taking a box with puzzle pieces and throwing it into a river, you know, and letting all the pieces scatter all over the place. No wonder why, and this is all statistically proven, this is not just me as a religious person, you know, talking. This is why people who live promiscuously can't have or have a very difficult time with stable and permanent relationships, with commitment, because they've already torn themselves into pieces. It's like, you know, they're kind of like a mangled and defective good. You know, when when it comes time to marrying, it's like, here, take this mangled and defective good, you know? Um, And I mean, that sounds harsh, but it's true. This can be healed by sacramental grace, by prayer, by humility, by penance. But it, it's it's a fact that people are psychologically fragmented when they live this way, and why is that? Again, because when I give myself to another, when I give my body to another, I'm giving myself to that person, and they're taking part of myself with them. And the the wisdom of the church, uh, and really of whole the whole of whole of humanity, because well anyway, the wisdom of the church is that we should give ourselves once to one. We should give ourselves to one person, because then that problem doesn't happen. If you give yourself to one person, and and that person gives himself or herself exclusively to you then everything works as it's supposed to everybody mm-hmm. each has the whole of the other right and there isn't this fragmentation and this damage that goes along with it
0: and and i will say this and i'm going to hand it over to joe you know who knows um it, it, what what you're talking about the people that let's say i was describing as myself like 10 or mm-hmm. or over 10 years or 20 years ago the person living that lifestyle knows it they know when they look in the mirror things are not right mm-hmm. I'm not and I, I I lack integrity I'm not a whole person as you mentioned Peter kushnevsky I'm I'm divided all right which is what the devil does all right so on that level he's ripping you apart and you're all over the place and you don't have you you, you lack focus I mean you could like you said statistics bear this out hey as Joe Rasinello loves to say on the show all the time go look out the window if you want to see how all that's working out for you Joe Rasinello.
1: I heard a quote a while ago. I always remember. It says, nothing is more extraordinary than an ordinary man and an ordinary woman with ordinary children. When you see a family, numerous children, normal people, just whatever, father's a cop, the mother is a nurse or whatever, just normal people who are sacrificing and living for each other, that is is a witness the world needs Mm -hmm. this is how we change the world i can remember and then i'm going to let you go you know peter on it because i think i know you have a lot to say about it i remember talking to a nun and i was criticizing the church and about the type of religious that we have um and she said well joe religious come from families we don't have good religious because we don't have good families yes. and she's right you mm-hmm. learn to sacrifice in a family and if we did that the world changes tomorrow peter yes. people will live selflessly people will live for each other because you have to in a family like that to true. exist that's yeah. how we change the world that's how we change the church peter please yeah, so I mean, John Paul II
2: is the one who said that that the that the family is the first school of love, uh, and the first school of responsibility, and the first school of mutual respect. Um, if you don't learn certain lessons in your childhood and in your family, you're almost never going to learn them anywhere else in the world, right? Um, so it, it's it's a the sad thing is that what we're seeing now is this huge vicious cycle, right? If you have bad families, and that's what we've had now for decades. Uh, in the United States and, and in Europe, um, those produce defective people, morally speaking, morally defective people. Um, They're wounded. Um, yeah, wounded people. And then they, in turn, have bad families and bad marriages. And so it it is this vicious cycle. And this is the truth in the saying of scripture that some people are so uncomfortable about that the sins of fathers are visited upon their children, right? Um, I mean, that's a sobering thing for all of us to to hear because we all know that we have sins. And I mean, every like every family I've ever known, even the best families, you can still, the, the, the parents would still say in a moment of honesty, yes, we have flaws and we can see those flaws, the effects of those flaws in our children, right? So we know that we can't, we're not perfect. We're fallen human beings. We're never going to escape all these problems. But it is, of course, possible, and we know it, and we've seen it, and we've experienced it too, uh, to one degree or another. It is possible to have a healthy and normal and good family life. It's not perfect; nothing's perfect, but you know, we can have the right priorities. We can instill the virtues, the basic virtues that everybody needs, and and so yes, we can turn the tide in a small way, um, and maybe that's the most we can we can do right now. You know, we're not Catholics. Have to understand that, yes. Politics is important. Legislation is important. We want pro-life legislation. We want all these things. We should keep fighting for them. But the the way that we have been slowly winning the pro-life battle is by instilling pro-life attitudes in our own children. And, and I mean, in other words, it has to succeed from the family. And it has to succeed in an organic way. Like, You know like plants that spread nice beautiful flowers that spread organically right that's what we're trying to do is win by by our families and our examples and not so much that we can just win in the political sphere right
0: sure yeah no no and that's right and you know and that's one of the things we hammer at the show all the time peter is that you know people are looking for political solutions to problems that don't require a, a political solution. Um, and I will say this about as far as this whole conversation, that's why our lady warned us and said the final battle is going to be between, between Satan and, 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 and the family. Okay. Because of what you just said, mm-hmm. because of that, for all of the for all the problems that human beings have mothers and fathers, like you said, they could see their flaws in their kids, but still that situation is infinitely better
2: than yes. the alternative.
0: Yes. And speaking of in the last couple of minutes, we have, Peter Kuschnevsky joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. I just mentioned Our Lady. So talk to us, talk to our audience about the model that we need to draw inspiration from, yes. which is the Holy Family.
2: Yes, yeah. So the, I talk about the Holy Family in this book uh, in a number of chapters. Um, one of one of the things I point out is just that that it, it can be difficult initially for some people to see the Holy Family as an example because it's so unusual. It's a very unusual family, you know, uh, husband and wife who are not sexually active with each other. They're both living a, a celibate marriage. Um, the Virgin Mary has only had her, her one child by, by God's miraculous intervention. Um, and so in some respects, it seems almost remote from the rest of what we're talking about. you know. But in another respect, what we have to see is that First of all, the, the holy family is going to be unique because it's the family of God Himself, God incarnate, the Son of God, um, and and that's going to be different. But what it sh- what you see there is still all of the essentials of marriage, and you see them live to the fullest extent. You see the fidelity of Joseph and Mary even in the most difficult circumstances, and there are and Scripture does present them to us as difficult circumstances. We see. The complete dedication of the parents to their family life, right? That's the hidden life of Christ. Sm- the vast majority of Christ's life was spent in the bosom of his family, right? That's how much he loved family life, and that's how much his parents took it seriously. Um, we see there the 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 good of offspring, the greatest offspring of all, Christ, right? The Son of God, um, that, and that this is what marriage is ordered to. Um, and we see, of course, uh, there, the virtues, you know, that, that Joseph cared for and protected Mary as a as a father and a husband should do, provided for them. He took them away out of danger into Egypt when Herod threatened, right? He brought them back at the right time. He worked hard. He, he labored. He was a man who labored with his hands, right, um, to support the family. So, you know, I think you can just see in the Holy Family writ large the virtues that we were talking about and the gift of self and the love that makes all sacrifices worthwhile right
0: absolutely and and to, and to hear the or to read the rest of Peter's uh ideas on the holy family please go out and buy his book and that's what we've been discussing here today at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network Peter's new book out from Sophia Press Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society Peter real quick there's the book for those, those of you watching this uh Peter where can folks uh learn more about what you have going on and uh, other than Sophia where could they buy the book if they have to
2: Sure. <laughs> yes. Well, Amazon, I probably don't okay. have to say that, uh, but yes, you can get it there. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. Um, you can even ask your local bookstore, would you stock this book uh, because a lot of certainly Catholic bookstores will have Sophia Institute books. Um, you can, one thing I would recommend if people enjoy uh, my writing is to, is to join my Substack, which is called tradition and sanity, um, tradition and sanity just to make it clear what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not called renewal and insanity it's called tradition and sanity uh, and so you can find that just by googling it dr. or dr peter kushnevsky thank you so
0: much again for joining us at the front line with joe and joe you know i don't have to tell you this you're welcome back here anytime to discuss anything you want so we really appreciate it thank you so much
2: thank you joe and joe
0: Absolutely. And thank you out there at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Download the app, the Veritas app, share it with your friends. If you like what Joe and I do, please follow us on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, the whole nine yards. Click something that's going to help us out. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.